0: 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 uh, starts off as this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending others to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a, a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring God glory. And if we are in our right minds, that it is for your benefit. We either way, Christ loves, controls us. Since we believe in Christ died for our all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Verse 15 says this. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. So die who died and who rose, who raised them. Verse 16 says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What an amazing gift that God has given us, that we now are new creatures. The King James Version says that we are now new creatures. I think the the other translation says that we are now a new creation. God literally rebirths us into someone new when we have accepted him what a blessed mindset to have and how amazing is it that God has he is always giving to us but have we ever thought about salvation as a gift we know that salvation is a gift from scripture but have we ever thought about now our new life is a gift so let's talk about what does those habits look like of a new person in Christ Jesus let's talk Welcome back. I am so excited that we are here. I am thankful that you are here. Welcome back to Conquering Me Podcast. I am Jennifer Jefferson, the voice behind this podcast. And on this podcast, we talk about the joys of developing a personal relationship with Christ. I am about this podcast and everything that we build to be about Christ and how we can, as believers, focus and recenter our lives about him. I want to talk about today about being new creatures in Christ. It was a great uh, discussion that we had at Meeting the Minds, which is basically like my church's um, Sunday school. And I had to teach this time. And it was great when I love the topic. I saw the topic and my pastor, he preached on being... Creatures of habits. Cause all month we've been talking about consistency, being consistent. And being consistent is not just about repeating the same thing, but it's about repeating something or doing something over and over with purpose, with purpose. And we understand that we are, when we become believers and now we're saved, there is purpose in our lives. What is that purpose? To glorify God, to serve Him to preach and teach the gospel, to know the gospel, to bring people into the kingdom, to expand the kingdom, and also to glorify, um, well, I say glorify God, but also to edify, that's the word I'm looking for, edify other believers, meaning to help support other believers, those who are in the kingdom. First, we got to get you in, then we need to go ahead and continue to uplift you. And the uplifting, even for uh, those who do not believe in Christ, is a tool a way prayerfully to plant a seed or to water something so that they can grow in Christ and become saved, right? So when we are now new creatures, have we ever thought about what do my habits look like that actually represents Christ? My habits that I have and the ways that I'm doing and the things that I'm talking about, is it the old man or is it the new man in Christ? And when I say man, I'm not talking about only men because the Bible says old man. So I'm just kind of quoting I'm just quoting what the King James Version would say. So I'll say this so there is no confusion. When I became saved, when I have accepted Jesus Christ, did the old person leave? Or is the old person still there? Can I look at my life and look at my habits, look at my friends, look at my ways and see that the old person is still loud? The old person is still in control. I remember as a kid, they would sing a song, said, when I got saved, my hands look new. Uh, my face looked new. Everything was brand new. And as a kid, I didn't understand that. I'm like, your hands are the same. It's the same hand. But in faith, we have become a new creature and new creation because our sins have been passed away they have been forgiven God threw them out Jesus said I will take on the sins now that you have accepted me you are no no longer held bound by those sins but sometimes it's the weight. It's the habits. So I want us to really talk about real simple, practical ways that we can look at our habits that so that it can reflect Christ. Because at the end of the day, whatever we do has to reflect Christ. Everything that we do needs to give God the glory. It needs to bring people into the kingdom and also help one another. Y'all going to hear me say this a thousand times. I don't care how many times you hear me say it, I'm going to say it a thousand times. So we're just going to have five simple points on today. What are the ways that we can become the creatures and the creation that God has intended for us to be? Because it's more than just saying, Lord, I'm saved. Now it is God, give me the wisdom and the discipline and and the strength to be transformed to be sanctified in your word. So the first thing we need to talk about is really making sure that we have a foundation of consistency. I said earlier that consistency is not just about doing something over and over, but it's about doing it with purpose. So whenever you're creating your new habits that align with reflecting Christ, are you doing it with purpose? What's the purpose of it? What is the why? And I always like to say, what is the why behind the why behind the why? Like get to the deep, the depths of why you are doing what you're doing. Oh, I go to church because this is what I know. Well, are you at a church to understand that this is where I obtain um, teaching? Where whoever is shepherding over me at this time in my life, it has to be aligned with the season that I'm in. If you're a season, if you're in a season where God is talking to you about victory and overcoming, but you're at a church where they're telling you how to, well, we just, we overcome it. Well, you know, we coming up the rough side of the mountain. There's a disconnect unless God sent you there so that you can be a part of the victory story or you went there out of comfort. Either way, whatever it is, we have to examine our habits and say, God, why am I doing this? it has to be about why we are doing it. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 9 um and we'll read verses 24 through 27 and Paul is talking here. Paul is one of the, a, a great uh, apostle who really taught the new church about the principles of Christ, which is really the principles of the um of, of our kingdom right of God's kingdom excuse me so Paul was sitting here teaching and I love how he referenced in these passages of scriptures to athletes so let's read verse 24 and once again I'm coming from the NLT version and we're reading first Corinthians 9 verse 24 through 27 Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for for an eternal prize. Uh, Let's go to uh, verse six. And it says, so I... So I, am, I run with purpose in every step and I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I love verse 27. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Have we ever thought about our Christian walk should be as disciplined as an athlete? I myself have never played sports, I have done it for fun, but not in a for real competitive space. My brothers have pe- played in high school. One of my brothers went on to play football in college. My husband played football in college. Like there's a different type of intensity and discipline and work ethic that happens when you are an athlete on any level. And we know that when you get to the place of pros, my goodness, your discipline, it should be insane, right? It should be admirable. It should be something to where others are looking at it like, dang, I want to do that because they see the results. We as believers should have a certain level of discipline within our lifestyle, within our prayer life, within our fasting, within our studying, within even the way that we eat, the way that we communicate all of these things to we which is not frivolous with what we say, because I think it's easy for us to think that, oh, I just can say whatever and it's okay. I still love the Lord. I'm not here to doubt your love of God. I am not here to question that. What I am asking for you to do is to be aware. Are your habits, the way you speak and the way you move and the way you eat, is it still a form of the old person? This is when we have to say, God, open my eyes and let me seek your wisdom. I love when the scripture says that wisdom is at the gate and she is yelling to for anyone who will listen. That's in Proverbs. Wisdom is literally speaking out, saying, hey, I'm trying to talk to somebody. Somebody listen. So we have to get our foundation correct. Is our foundation still based on um, things that we're taught that was against God? And here's the thing. Something can be good and still not be God. It does not mean because it is good that is God. So there's certain habits and principles that we have been taught as children were good but God is like that's not me because that's actually going to be a hindrance for you in the future. Maybe you were taught to be overly polite. And then now you're having this weird place where it's like it's hard for you to have tough conversations. Or you continue to apologize for everything under the sun. I remember telling one of my good friends that she brought this up to me. She said, you used to always tell me to stop apologizing for everything. And she didn't understand it, but it wasn't until she started walking through her healing process. She began to understand. And I said, look, it is good that we apologize, but apologize when you've done something wrong. Not when it's truth. I I, I can't apologize for if you hurt me and I cry and I'm like, I'm sorry for crying. Why are you sorry for crying? No. Your tears are valid in this moment. You know what I mean? So there's certain things that we were taught that were good or even survival skills. But God is saying, that's not me. So once again, we have to check our foundation and we have to make sure our foundation is disciplined and is in this discipline is reflective of Christ. And this is why I'm encouraging all of us to, even if you're new to studying the Bible, start with studying Christ, start with the gospels, start there. Once again, the word is start, it does not mean stay there and in there and live there. I'm saying to start there and then go everywhere else. Because if I understand that I am a new creature and I'm here to, and I'm supposed to reflect Christ, that means I need to study Christ in order to reflect him. That means that if my language and how he communicated, because Christ is interesting when you look at the way Christ talked to people, to the masses, he used a lot of parables and he used, um, he was very kind and gentle in the way that he spoke to the masses. The disciples, he still used parables, but it was a little bit more detailed, and sometimes he would get firm with the disciples. But there was a few times where he was it was one-on-one with folks, and Christ was kind of cutthroat with people. You're like, ugh. Jeez, Lord, you really have to say it like that? So it's interesting how I just described three different scenarios depends on where you are, how it required Christ to communicate differently. So a lot of times how we just kind of get stuck up into where this is just how I am. Like I, I talk this way and we don't even examine the way that we talk our habits of speech, our habits of thinking. And because I like got athlete, the athlete becomes students of whatever they are training in and they become coachable. They become disciplined. So it's not just a discipline, it's the fact that I want to learn. Any athlete that has got to any form of greatness, I don't care if you're a student athlete, a child athlete, or a professional athlete, you had to have trainers. You had to have people who will teach you something to make you better. So that means they had to tell you the things that you were not doing well. They had to tell you when you do this, this causes that, which actually makes you to run slower. But if you do this, so this, what am I saying? Even in your discipline, are you running away from correction? Are you running running away from things that's going to make you better? Sometimes we don't want to have those hard conversations. We don't want people to tell us that we're doing wrong. But it's okay when someone says, hey, you can do this better and you can do this differently so that you can grow in it. So this is a question that I have for you all, for something for you to write down and for you to reflect. What daily habits have denied you access or delayed God's promise in your life? I want you to think about it. What daily habits have denied you access or delayed God's promise in your life? Because we just read scriptures about being disciplined so that we may run the race, that we have a prize. Our prize is eternal. So we know that we have Christ Jesus. But there are times where we have missed a promise of God. The scripture that says, um, uh, if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Some things that God is saying, I cannot give it to you because you're not delighting yourself in me. You're delighting yourself in yourself or whatever the case is. So what are the promises or things that we have missed out on? Because we did not want to really take time and ask the Lord to mature us so that we can align our habits and our ways to him. And another question to ask yourself, how do your daily habits align with his purpose? So it's a twofold. What things have I delayed or denied access to my to God's promise? And how are my daily habits aligning with his purpose? Maybe it's like you're in a season to where it's like now you're understanding I need to meditate more. I need to meditate on the word of God. The Bible says word, meditate on his word day and night. It is so amazing to me how so many other faiths truly believe in meditations. But Christians, when it comes to meditation, we act like it's a bad word. Some people say they realize it's good. Some people think it's not. But the word says meditate on his word day and night. What does that mean? I am taking time to be still. I'm thinking of his scripture. I'm thinking of him and I'm quiet. I'm allowing just the Holy Spirit to quiet me, still my mind, my body, and just hear him. Hear the word and allow that to transform me. Point two, we have to understand that our words mean little if our actions do not align. We have to make a commitment to not just say that you're going to do something, but actually follow through. This is once again, changing our habits. I read this book uh, a while ago and I'm still reading it. I'm one of those readers to where I read for a minute and then I stop. Like I will literally read like half of a book and then just stop. I'm like, girl, you got to complete. Like this is one of my habits. I have to stop. I have to stop not completing things because I see it overflowing in so many areas. So one of the things that we're going to talk about in the next coming episodes is spiritual warfare. So the Lord revealed this to me that I will start something if I wouldn't complete it. So now I have to see, okay, I need to see... God, is this a spiritual attack? Is it something that um, a lie that I have believed somewhere along the way? Is it that when it gets a little bit too tough for me or it takes up too much time, I back away? Like, Lord, reveal these things because this is a habit that is keeping me from aligning with God and his purpose. Because we know one thing that we have to do as believers, we have to complete stuff. We have to be a man or woman of our word. I don't want to keep telling you all, oh, we have these products coming out and it never comes. Y'all be like, Jen been talking about these products and these blog posts and all this other type of stuff forever. But child, it's 10 months later and we ain't got nothing. Like, I can't stand that. So I have to get out of my own way. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there is any spiritual warfare that's going on. And then Lord, give me the strategies and the plan on how to combat that. Through your words. This is once again, removing the old person and holding on and grabbing hold of the new person. The new person is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, how do you combat this? Right here, the spirit of inconsistency. How do we do this? How do we become the people? that our actions line up with our words. I want to read James 1, 22 through 25. It says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23 says, anyone who listens to the word and does not do it, uh, does not do what it says is like someone who looks in at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, which gives freedom, continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it will be blessed And what they do. So when we hear a word, let it be through prayer, let it be through a taught word, preach. You heard God a revelation. You're reading the word of God, and you're like, "This is it." We cannot forget it. We have to be the doers. Because I love this analogy. The analogy said, if you don't become a doer, it's like someone looking at the mirror and forgetting what he looked like. Can you imagine that you were in the mirror and you walked away and you all of a sudden forgot? that means we have to put actions to what we see and actions to our words so that it can become our truth and our reality so that we can be the not just hearers of the word but doers of the word so what are some areas in your life where you realize like i hear it but i'm not holding on to it i'm not really grabbing this and i want you to really ask yourself write this question down Are there areas where your words and your actions are not lining up? You say that you want to be financially free, but yet you have not put in a budget and you have not remained consistent with it. You have not prayed about it. You have not looked at the word of God. What does it say about finances, budgeting, all the type of stuff? Yes, it's in the Bible. Oh God, I wanted to be... um, uh, let's say you want to be married, or you are married. Have you looked at even what the Bible says of what a husband and wife should be, and then looked at the character of Christ? Because at the end of the day, a husband and wife should have a, the character of Christ in order to have a Christ like marriage. Everything that we need is in the Bible, and then God will lead us and guide us to books, like I mentioned earlier, the Atomic Habit book. I started reading it, but I haven't. But in it, it talked about small habits, how it compounds over time. Anytime when you're on a a health journey, they tell you do little things and become consistent with it. Once again, consistency is not repetition, but consistency is doing something with a purpose. So I'm doing this so I can have a better uh, to have better health. I'm doing this to lose weight. I'm doing this so that I can physically feel better. Whatever you're doing is, God, I want my body to reflect you. It, God, if I'm going to preach and teach the word of God in all these various places, I have to be in good shape. I can't be out of breath. I have to have, you know what I mean? It's like all these things, even when we take it back, because I think day we should be able to take all of this thing back to God. All of this. So what's the action step for this? And I forgot to mention, I'm going to go back to the first action step because I want to in this one, we're going to have the five points and then I'm going to give you a question to really think about and ponder. And then I'm going to give you some action steps. So the action steps for this, for uh, really looking at your words and are they lining up with your actions? I want you to take stock of commitments you have made but haven't kept. Ooh, what commitments You have made it can be a commitment to God, a commitment to yourself, to your family, to your job, to your education, whatever it is, wherever you made a commitment where you know it was the better of you. Here's the thing. The enemy will not try to stop you in the areas that does not glorify God and does not allow you to get closer to God. So, if you had a commitment that was actually going to have you to become a better person that is more reflective of God, don't you think the enemy is going to put a stumbling block so you will not do it? Like this is all what he does. He's very strategic in Ephesians, and we'll talk about this in the next uh, coming episodes. We're going to have a series about spiritual warfare. We'll talk about all of that stuff, but the enemy is very strategic in what he does. And also he's very patient. So one thing I want you to do, along with the question that I asked, and I'm gonna repeat the questions. Here's the question. Are there areas where your words and actions are not lining up? That's that's point two number question, okay? And the action after this is take stock and commitments you have made, but haven't yet. And then make a plan to remedy that. So the first part of the plan is, Lord, help me to see. Guide me to the right plan. That part of that plan could be reading a book. It could be part of uh, joining some type of group. It could be going on a fast. It could be a lot of things, seeking um, professional help, uh, counsel, Maybe the Lord is saying, you need a, um, you know, going back to finances, you need a financial advisor, or maybe you need a career coach. All of these things, like you're trying to move along in school and you're like, I want to go back to school, but do you have a mentor? It could be so many things, but what is the plan? Because we have to stop breaking these commitments. And I want to go back to point, the first point, the first point was um, creating a foundation of consistency. And I asked you all two questions, but I forgot to give you the action part. The action part says, identify one habit you want to build and map out a 30-day plan to implement. Map out a dirt 30-day plan. What I am going to do on my website, conquerme.co, I'm going to have all of this typed out so that you all can see it. This is going to be the first blog post that I'm going to put up. So that you all can see it and actually follow along with it. So I want to speak this to those who are listening. And then if you're, if you do better with reading, all of this is going to be um, in the blog post with the steps and the questions, because I want to make sure that we're doing these things to become creatures of godly habits. Point number three, I want us to think about the power of small choices. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. If I can trust you, if God can trust you with the little things, the little things, being a good steward over the little things. This particular scripture, I believe, if I remember correctly, it is a parable and it's talking about, um, uh, I want to say servants, And their master who were managing this, uh, the the servant, the servant was managing the master's money. So this is about being good stewards. And the whole point is, can we be a good steward over what we have? The very little things. So even if you're like, I only have 10 minutes a day to change to this habit. And I'm gonna use a book as example. I have 10 minutes a day to commit where I can seriously commit to reading. 10 minutes to this book that the Holy Spirit has guided me to. Manage that with all of your heart. Take those 10 minutes about out and be sincere about it. Because God is saying whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed because we have so much going on in our lives. I know I feel like that. But God, if I can just manage the little things, let it be the little time that I have, even the little influence or the small, um, let it be, if you feel like you have small amount of money, whatever it is, Holy Spirit invite, I invite you in to give me your wisdom on how to manage that because manage that. Cause I know one day that this will increase. You will enlarge my territory for your glory. The understanding that I have of you right now, Lord, is little, but I'm going to give you praise in that. And I'm going to continue to grow in the very little. And that's the thing. This is when I was talking about the book earlier, Atomic Atomic Habits. It talks about the little things that compound over time. So a little bit, think about it. And and this is, in the analogy that he uses when they talk about compound interest within the financial market. And so I want to make it real simple. Think about it. If you saved a dollar a day and you, when you were, let's say 10 years old, you will look up and you're like, Lord, I saved a dollar a day this little bit. Being diligent over this $1 has led me to save close to $400 every year. Because we know it's 366 days a year. Well, 365, 66 on a leap year. <laughs> so, but that's why I said close to 400, right? Let's round on up. So, but it's like every year you're putting this money to a side and you're putting, you're not touching it. Being didn't get over little. So now let's take that to time. I'm taking my time and I'm managing this 10, 15 minutes and I'm doing it well. And what happens is as you are strengthening that, you can now grow into the next 30, 45 minutes. And now that you're now it's like 45 minutes to an hour, three hours, four hours, like, Lord, I know how to manage my day properly because I was really taking time and giving you glory within the 10 minutes. I was saying, Lord, let me be intentional here. So the small habits, and I really recommend that book, Atomic Habits. Once again, pray about it before you read it. And everything, we want to be spirit led because this may not be for you, but for some people it is. For me, it was the Lord. I was praying about some things and the Lord led me to this book. So Atomic Habits, it is not a Christian book, but it's a book about um, just good life principles. And he has various examples on because he started to really think about the little things. Because unfortunately we get so caught up in, I have to do everything now. And we feel like we have to have these drastic changes instead of just being mindful of the small changes and purposeful changes and being consistent with that. So when you look at it, Don't look at the small things as insignificant. Let's look at the power of the small choices as being powerful, impactful, intentional. And then so that question I have for you, can you think of a small habit that had a big impact on your life? Can you think about a small habit that had a big impact on your life? And I want you to write that down and think about that small habit. And how it really transformed your life in whatever area. And the action that I want you to do is choose one small positive habit to implement immediately. What is that? Maybe it's something you realize within your language you're really asking the Holy Spirit to come in and give you wisdom with you in your language. So it may start off with one word that you have to take out. One thing that I realized um, that I was saying the word and my husband helped me out with this. I would, He and I would have conversations about things and I would get frustrated. And, and I would say stuff like, you know what, you always do this to me. You always this. And then he said, Jennifer, I don't always do that. I was like, yeah, he's right. And here's the truth. Because I removed that word always out And I flipped it to sometimes I feel that you do this blah, 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 blah on purpose. And it impacts me this way. Because I removed the word always, I had to start dealing with the truth of what I was feeling and what I was seeing. And it allowed both of us to transform, to be transformed for the better. Better within our communication, better within our marriage, because I stopped saying, Chris, you always do this to me. You never show up for me, you know, whatever moment that I was having, having, I changed that and removing those words, becoming aware of those words and removing those words and saying, you know what, this time when you did this, or sometimes you have done, what it did was it put it in the right perspective because using the word always and never are absolutes. And so it just made it bigger than what it actually was. So it impacted my marriage for the positive because now I'm having a healthy dialogue with my husband and we're able to work towards a better uh, form of communication and understand each other and how we can get better. So I wanted to use that as an example. Point number four, we have to always be Thankful, habitual gratitude. First Thessalonians 5, 16 says this. Well, 16 through 22, let's say the whole thing because because the gist of this is to give thanks in all things. When I say in all things, I mean all things. The Bible does not say give thanks in some things. The Bible does not say give thanks only in certain things that feel good to you give thanks when the miracle came through no but it says give thanks in all things so let's go to 1st Thessalonians 5 and we'll start off in verse 16 and go to 22 always be joyful Never stop praying. How many times have we read the word of God and it keeps telling us be persistent in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. It's like pray in all things. Pray, 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 pray. The Bible, God is always trying to tell us, look, y'all need to pray in all things. It is not super weird and spiritual that we pray for it. No, it is a commandment. Pray in all things, all circumstances. Pray, 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 pray. When we talk about the spiritual warfare, the next uh, coming, we're going to do a series, a seven part series about it. That's one of the things that we will talk about praying all the time. So it's not just in warfare, but in everything. God, the I love when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seeking God is through prayer, through his knowledge, through word of God. So, God, um, if I acknowledge you right here, where do I go? You will give me the answer. So, it's not just in the bad things, but God, you know, I see this is a great opportunity for a job. Should I take this? Is this your will? It's, it's good money, but it may be a headache. So, I says, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. For you who belong to Christ Jesus. If we belong to Christ Jesus, have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we have to always be joyful and never stop praying. So always be thankful in everything that you do. Be consistent in expressing thankfulness. I promise you that can change your perspective on life. That will change when you're thankful oh my goodness, I was having a whole moment earlier today and I just felt so much that was happening in the spirit. And I just kept loving. I looked at my baby, my youngest one, and I just gave him a kiss because he always has to be right up under me. So I just gave him a kiss and I just kept kissing, 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 kissing his cheek. And I said, you know how much mommy loves you? He said, I love you so much, mommy. He said, mommy, you love me three thousand five hundred, thousand, He said all these numbers. And I was like, God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for how you've given me these beautiful children, my husband, my family, my mother, all of these things. I had to even be thankful in my father in his death. When my dad passed away, that was hard for all of us because he was such a, uh, an amazing man. I'm thankful to where I said I, I grew up in a healthy, happy home. I'm thankful for that. Right. I don't know. We weren't rich. We didn't have everything, but we didn't we weren't poor. Like we were just a middle-class family. We had a good family. My mother was good. My father was good. They had ups and downs, all of these things that happened. But my father was such a good man. And so I had to even give thanks when my father died. You're like, what? Even in death, losing my dad, I gave God thanks. I said, God, you gave me 37, 38 years of him. I was able to experience him. I was able to receive the seeds and the faith and the love that he has given us. And God, I thank you. Because when he passed away, he told my mother this. He said he was my my dad was just really talking and the Holy Spirit led my mother to write down some notes as he was talking. And he said, Lord, I've done what you've called me to do. My mother told us that. And for me, I held on to that. I said, God, I thank you for being raised under a man who put you first, that even on his dying bed, he gave you the glory and the praise and was talking to you and said, God, I've done what you've called me to do. He ran his race. So I'm thankful for that because I have an example, right? So yes, I miss my father, but I rest in the scripture saying that we do not mourn like, uh, like those without hope because we know that one day we will see them again. One day I will see my father again. And I thought about this. I was telling my mom and I said, you know, maybe when we get there, dad says, okay, hey, this is your grandmother and grandfather because my grandparents died before I was born. His parents, they say, hey, this is your sister, my dad, I mean, your auntie. He used to always tell me like, girl, you remind me so much of my sister, little. He would say that all the time. So if, if we believed and we saw, all see and we all believe that Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we have accepted Christ, we have the opportunity to meet them. So God, I thank you. So in every opportunity, we give God thanks. Everything. And we have to change our perspective of what it looks like. It's funny, my husband, one of his favorite comedians tells this joke of, he was hanging around with somebody and they introduced them to trail mix and watching red tail birds. I mean, red chested birds. And he was like, man, I ain't gonna watch no red chested birds and eat trail mix. What type of snack is this? Then he was like, man, he started eating these snacks and watching the birds, he was so peaceful. He was like, man, that was peaceful. This trail mix was good, it's healthy for me. Like even when we experience something new that is simple, do we say, God, thank you for exposing me to this. Fun doesn't always look a the same way over and over. Thank you for expanding what peace can look like. Thank you for expanding. This man had the cheapest form of, uh, of peace. Look, going to the park and looking at birds and having some doggone $5 trail mix. And he was just at peace and happy and content to where he started telling his homeboys about it. <laughs> So the whole point is, in everything, give God thanks. Because if I can give God thanks in everything, I can see him in everything. So the question I have for you, what are the little things that bring you joy? What are three things you are grateful for today? So write those things down. Once again, I'm going to have all of this on my website. So here are the questions again. What are the little things that bring you joy? And what are three things you're grateful for today? And an action that we're going to have is for you to start a gratitude journal and write in it every day. And we're going to um we'll have up a gratitude journal with this. Something that I have created and so it's going to be there. There are different forms of gratitude journals, but I want to have something where God has placed on my heart. What does your gratitude like write down? I I like to call them testimony books. So it'll be gratitude and testimony journal. And write down every day. Sometimes we have to write down what God has done in the past because in our moment, it is so overwhelming and it's okay. But this is why it's good for us to write things down for even what he did in the past so they can bring up things that we we can be thankful for for today. Last point, we have to have God in our consistency. We have to, we have to. We have to know that God is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's what Hebrews 13 and 8 says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Lord, you be my consistency pool. You be my consistency, right? So it's like, God, when I'm inconsistent, I look to you. God does not change. So our habits have to reflect him. So sometimes we feel like, oh, well, that was fine for yesteryears. No, God is the same. That's what the word of God says. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. When we serve a consistent God that is the same yet yesterday, today, and forevermore, we then should mirror our consistencies in our, in our habits. We should become better reflections of him. So if I take on this mentality that does not matter what happens or what comes my way. His character does not change. So my habits have to be built off of his character, off of his consistency. So a question I want you to think about, how has God's consistency affected your life? Ooh, child. I know for me, He helped me to gather this and learn this a long time ago, that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Never. He told me a long time ago that he kept my mind. I will keep my mind in perfect peace. The Bible says that may he give you the peace that surpass all understanding that will guard your heart and mind. That is God being the consistent anchor in my life. My habits have to be off of the fact that we have God as a consistent anchor. So I want you to think about that. Ask yourself those questions and write down the answer. How has God's consistency affected your life? Now, here's the action. Meditate on God's faithfulness and incorporate a daily habit that reflects a character trait of God. Oh, oh, let me say that again. Yeah. Meditate on God's faithfulness and incorporate a daily habit that reflects a character trait of God. Look, I know some of we're like, well, what is God's character? Well, what my question is, what do you know of him? If you know him to be loving, that means your daily trace should reflect God's love. If you know him to be peaceful, you need to his, your daily tracing to be of God's peace. Because the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the earth. That's what the word of God says. So you is, I'm not asking you to go out. Once again, we're, we're developing habits that are reflective of God. We're developing habits of the new creature. We started off talking about how the old man has been passed away. The new person is gone and now we're new. So the last thing we have to think about, like, let me meditate on, on God's faithfulness and incorporate daily habits that reflect his character. This is how we become the new person. This is how we become who he has desired us to be. And in order for you to be the new person, you first need to know Jesus Christ. And if you are not saved, I want you to open your heart and your mind so that you can accept Jesus Christ. And I want you to repeat after me, Lord, come into my life. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose for my sins. Please forgive me and thank you for forgiving me of my sins. You are my savior, you are my friend, and you are my God. And if you have said that you are now saved, we are rejoicing, we are excited. And this last prayer is for any of us who know we have some things we need to change. And I'm in that number two. I promise you, God, we ask that you strengthen us right now. Let us not become discouraged in this habit of are in this process of changing our habits. And let us not rely on our own wisdom to change our habits. We have to rely on you. We cannot do this in our own strength because our flesh does not want to please you. But we know that the spirit that resides in us wants to please you. So allow us to reside and I mean to rely on your spirit so that we can be transformed in you and become the new people that you have called us to be. We're not going to wait until heaven to receive peace and glory and joy. No, there are promises that you have for us to live out while we are here on earth so that we may proclaim your goodness and go out and speak of you and bring people into the kingdom. God, we thank you for strengthening us and opening our eyes so that we can see what we are doing that is pulling us away from you that is delaying anything that's in our lives, that is not aligning up with you. And God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do and all that you are. We love you, we honor you, and we adore you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. I love you guys, and I will speak to you next Friday.